You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Welcome back to Earth Station Trek, a show where we trek from the early days on NBC to the future on Paramount Plus and everywhere in between. I'm Charles Kelso, and it's my privilege to introduce the Earth Station Trek crew, Keith Johnson. Gonna crack my knuckles and jump for joy. Got a clean bill of health from Dr. McCoy. <laughs> and Veronica Daschle. Hi. Oh, Mabinga. <laughs> I couldn't rhyme Mabinga. <laughs> yeah. We have some This Week in Trek this week, Keith. Yeah, I got just a few, but they were they were I thought they were really kind of important for just Trek history. So it was it was pretty wild because I was I was talking to you earlier and I was like, ah, there's nothing that happened. And then there was a couple here. So I'm gonna run through these real fast. Um, one of them, and I'm gonna do go a little bit out of order because I want to save the last ones. Um, the first one is here we go again, 16th of May, 1918 was wow. the birth, okay, the birth date of one Garot Atwater. Okay. And you'll say who? Now, he said something. I don't know if this will even help, but it is literally one of my favorite lines in all of Star Trek. We did not know of humans in my time. I am pleased to see there are differences. Together, may we be stronger than the sum of our parts. <laughs> I know exactly who it is. Do you know who it is, Veronica? <laughs> no. Yeah, it's um, uh, Surak, played by Barry Atwater. That's it. Good good catch. In the <laughs> Savage Curtain, he That's was right. the... Uh, as Fox said, the image of Serac. Veronica, right. I was at Planet with those rock people. And then they mm-hmm. there was like Abraham Lincoln and K. Less the Unforgettable and Genghis Khan. And they had to fight Kirk and Spock. But I love that line about he loved he he liked to see that humans and Vulcans were different mm-hmm. because together they could make something special. And I think that yeah. is the essence of Star Trek. So that's a great one. Yeah. 1937, also 16th of May. Why can I blow off at least one of his ears? <laughs> got it veronica no okay you got it charles ah, i know that line okay another one i write poetry name one poem you've ever written shall i compare thee to a summer's day thou art more temperate and then he starts yelling at that person i don't got it okay the last one he's my lover and i have to kill him oh oh um <laughs> i went from obscure yeah, is that um, Yvonne Craig? That's it. Yes. Good guess. Uh, Veronica, you know who that is? No. <laughs> Good guess. That she girl. gave me like half her dialogue from the episode. <laughs> but thanks. <All> right. <laughs> that girl who played the Green Orion slave girl mm-hmm. and um, whom God's destroy. Yeah, whom God's destroy. Yeah, that's the one with uh, Captain, what's his name? Uh, uh, Lord Garth. God Lord Garth. Yeah, that's it. And that was where Yvonne Craig gave quite a dance in that mm-hmm. episode. And there's a scene where Spock says that the dance reminded him of what Vulcan school children did. And then he goes, of course, the Vulcan school children are not so fluid. So I think <laughs> Spock is kind of getting into that one. Right. All right. Two more quick birthdays. 20th of May, 1960. And I actually don't have a good one for this. So I'm just going to go ahead and say it. It is the birthday of John Billingsley. No, oh, nice. Played Dr. Flox on um, Enterprise. Yeah. Really great actor. I love him as a character. He's just, mm-hmm. he, he's a genial actor. I love his people. I love a lot about the Denovalians. They're a very interesting species. They have a super cow- crowded planet. 
I think every Denovalian marries three people, mm. right? Yeah. Every Denovalian marries three people and those people are married to three people. So they have really complicated relationships. Oh yeah. I bet. Yeah. <laughs> One more. And this is the last birthday. 21st of May, 1940. Nurse, do whatever he asks you. Whatever he asks. Why? Yes. That's quite clear. Isn't it? Is that Booker Bradshaw? That's it. Nice. Dr. Mabinga. The first yeah. Dr. Mabinga. Yeah. <laughs> And that's great. 1940. Nice. Uh, yeah. And then two quick things. And these are just anniversaries. So I was going backwards. This one was um, this premiered in uh, 21st of May, 1997, possibly the shortest opening in all of Trek history. OK. We are the Borg. Resistance is boom. <laughs> Does that tell you anything? That's Scorpion part one. <laughs> that's Scorpion part one, which introduced seven to nine. Mm-hmm. Literally one of paradoxically one of the most exciting and shortest openings in trek history when you were new to that what an amazing scene three board cubes show up they're talking trash and they get blown out of the sky like that's a teaser like i'm in for a good hour of tv right now yes (laughs) i thought you said 1967 oh oh, i I was like what wait what Yeah. Gosh, that would have to be like Ballast of Terror I or something. I turned the number you said upside down in my mind. <laughs> wow. Uh, wow. And, the, and the last one, this is literally, in my opinion, one of the most, one of the least likely things to become iconic in Star Trek. And there's literally no way not to guess this, but it was the 15th of May, 1989. Jordi is smart. <laughs> we find things. <laughs> <laughs> The Samaritan snare. That's the that was the debut of the Samaritan snare. With literally yeah. what everybody thought of was one of the yes, yeah, one of the lamest aliens ever, and they have just endured. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That lower decks has brought them back in a big way. Awesome. I love that. Well, that was this week in Trek history. All right. Well, let's take a quick break to promote a fellow ESO network podcast show. And then when we come back, we'll get into a discussion topic. So stay right there. We have 30 seconds to describe Thunder Talk. We got big interviews. Super rad music. What proud members of the ESO network? Yeah, they're probably going to fire us. I wouldn't blame them. We've got jokes. Adult jokes. And nerd junk. Woke nerd junk. All the woke nerd junk. Find Thunder Talk on the internet. And the ESO network. Ta da! <laughs> So this week, we thought we'd talk about enhancing human beings in Star Trek and in life. And uh, there's several different kind of enhancements and sort of what the attitudes of Star Trek characters are towards that and, and sort of what we think about that. Right. Keith, did you want to kick it off? Yeah. Um, without giving anything away, but the episode of Strange New Worlds has a lot to do with enhancements and mm-hmm. enhancements of body, enhancements of ability. And we all know as Star Trek fans that in that universe, genetic enhancements in the Federation are outlawed. I would assume, other than for things like carrying diabetes and carrying cancer and so forth, some minor things, but even Dr. Bashir in Deep Space Nine officially was not supposed to be in Starfleet. No genetic enhancements are allowed. Mm. I understand that, but I have that sometimes I have some problems with that because Dr. Bashir at that time was considered having below average intelligence and abilities, and they enhanced him beyond that. But would it have been fair if he'd been enhanced to what we call normal? And I know that's a really 
fraught topic to say normal. Mm-hmm. You got to be very careful what you call normal now. But I sometimes have problems with the prescriptions on genetic enhancements. So we were all talking. We just thought, what are the limits of enhancement? What can mm-hmm. you enhance? Could it be done for athletics? Could it be done to get somebody out of a wheelchair or something? What yeah. is okay and what is moral and what is right? Yeah. I mean, one that immediately springs to mind is Jordy LaForge. Yes. Because, I mean, right. he and, and they make a big point about his sight is better than normal human sight, mm-hmm. you know, or at least he can see many things that we can't see, you know? Right. But that seems to be perfectly culturally acceptable that he's blind. And so he's got, you know, enhancement to allow him to see. Yeah, good point. I wonder if his if they had genetically enhanced Jordy to help him grow his eyes, would that have been okay? Because maybe mm-hmm. they would have said they were only correcting it to where it should be. Right. But if they tried to enhance him to give him super for if they had genetically enhanced him to give him organic eyes, but then he had supervision, <laughs> yeah, or something weird, yeah. would they then kick him out of Starfleet? Well, I think part of the, at least in the Star Trek universe, part of the problem with genetic enhancement is all of the side effects and the fact that you tended to be a little bit insane um, (laughs) (laughs) to to various extents. Yeah. Um, Bashir was extremely lucky. Yeah. Um, But we saw other people that, I mean, they weren't con, but they weren't they weren't functional in you're talking about Bashir's buddies Bashir's buddies yes yeah. but even them I mean they weren't megalomaniacal right but they did have a sense of superiority yes you know yes. I mean even yeah. to the point that they're advocating that the, the Federation should surrender to the Dominion because they were certain that it was right. a, a lost cause and they were I mean they were pretty intent on no we know better and we're smarter right so yeah, I mean a- I don't know what what it's, it seems like one step away from them having the power to try to assert dominance rather than just feeling like they're superior. Yeah. And that's, and that's a good thing. And I think a question is, is what, for example, what do you call genetic enhancements? Because with, with Bashir, he was genetically enhanced. And again, uh, we were talking about this before we started recording. You have to be very careful when we talk about, well, as, as I said, also, you got to be very careful what you call normal and so forth. Because oh, yeah, there's a, yeah. like, as we talk, we record now, there are people who are deaf who now say that is their condition and that is their natural condition mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and that they reject ideas of cochlear implants and so forth. Mm-hmm. As if you're saying there, there's something wrong with them. Right. Yep. Um, and that's the thing. Now, Bashir's father was concerned because Bashir was slower in class and mm-hmm. he seemed to have trouble focusing. He was struggling and he also seemed to have some motor skill problems. Mm. Now they enhanced Bashir, but he, as you were saying, Veronica, he went past what we would consider average. I'm not going to say normal, but he went, he went past average. He has, yeah. he has above average reflexes, visual acuity, memory, and intelligence. He's basically a living computer, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but it seems to me if they had stopped at him being average, it seems like Starfleet still would have been against that or was it only because he was super or is it because he was genetically enhanced? I can't believe that it begins the law to enhance you to what we call average. I don't remember exactly the way it was phrased, but it seems like I remember that Belana Torres's baby had like a spine thing or something. The doctor was going to like genetically correct. Yeah. Does that seem familiar? Yes. Because she was realizing yeah. that it would be possible to genetically make sure. Them but not before she on. sort of went over the deep end trying to, tinker with her baby it seemed like there was like sort of standard things that the doctor was going to yeah to correct. Was very minor right right yeah so I, I mean it seems to me like that's just medical science if you can right. just 
tweak tweak somebody's genome just enough to where they don't have whatever the whatever the situation may be, you know, to give them a better mm-hmm. quality of life. But I mean, going back to Bashir for a minute, I mean, he made the point that you know his parents decided that he was in for a bad life. He was falling yeah. behind. He was below average. And his I mean, his response was like, I was five years old. Right. <laughs> you know, you gave right. up on me when I was five years old. We, you don't know who I could have become. Exactly. So do you think that, and I, the way they presented it didn't seem that, do you think if they had stopped and just made him, as we called average, that Starfleet would still have had the problem? It sounds like they would have. Yes. I don't know. I don't, I don't think so. I think that Starfleet's real beef is, is with like Superman. You know, they don't want another con. They mentioned that in that episode. Yeah. Too. For every yeah. whatever, there's a con. For every, uh, mm-hmm. for every Dr. Bashir, there's a con Nudie and Singh. Yeah. Yeah, I would. I haven't had a chance to look into that, but I would tend to think that because if, well, see, what do you define? Okay, for example, in my family, which is very common in Black families, type 2 diabetes runs in my family, mm-hmm. as does high blood pressure. And I tell you right now, if you could genetically engineer me where I could eat ice cream all day, every day, and never worry about it, yeah. I would like, here's my arm, Do right. whatever, you know, stick it in. Just don't give me a third eye or something like that. <laughs> so I would tend to think that medical science correcting you to what we call average mm-hmm. or normal and normal, in this case, I'm talking about sickness. I would tend to think that would be allowed in the Federation. It's like you said, what they did with uh, Bellana's baby. You're going to, I think things like that, they would correct. If you saw a child that had spina bifida, for example, mm-hmm. as you said, but spine, or if you knew a child was going to have a propensity for um, in the black community and the Middle, Middle Eastern communities, Mediterranean communities are sickle cell. Mm-hmm. If you correct that genetically, I can't see that would be against the law. Yeah. And I think that might be just correcting, but you're right. But suppose you said, well, my kid is nearsighted and can you give him 2060? Mm. Would that be against yeah. the law? Something yeah. that simple. Just like, just give him good, give him supervision. It's yeah. not against the law. Yeah. I, I mean, especially in you know, they're in a universe where it seems like a lot of species have higher averages than humans for, yeah. you know, physical strength and long life. And right. you look at a Vulcan, they're you know, like eight times stronger than humans or something like that. Klingons, you know, I mean, they, I mean, the Federation was, you know, in a cold war and sometimes a hot war with Klingons for a yeah. century, you know, and Klingons are physically superior to humans. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. So it's interesting that they even wouldn't want to to bring humanity up to the physical level of, of like their biggest opponent. Yeah. But then on the other hand, like I said, though, I mean, Jordy has quote unquote better vision than humans. Yeah. He can Mm -hmm. see like electromagnetic spectrum and and things like that. You know, they, they make a point several times in the series that Jordy has special vision. Yeah. Right. He could see, but that's allowed. Yeah. That, that you're right. That's allowed. And it, it reminds me of that the joke that you always hear about that, about the, the, the TNG poker game, they're like, you got a, you got an Android who can basically count the cards. You got mm-hmm. a Betazoid who can tell if you're lying. And you got a dude with a visor who can probably see through the cards. <laughs> and they're like, what kind of game is that? <laughs> hey, Riker still wins, though. <laughs> yeah, so there you go. Human stuff. So let me ask you a question about that. What is y'all's opinion about genetic engineering, both real world and Star Trek? Would you... Because I have friends, we've I've had this conversation just you know real life again. Like my family has you know diabetes, mm-hmm. and and then you there's real life things like propensities for cancer. There's all this mm-hmm. stuff. And, but I have friends who are like, no, if you mess with the human genome, it might not be that you create a con. You might create a mutation. You might you know hurt the baby. But if you mm-hmm. could get to the point where you could quote unquote do it right, would you be in favor 
of certain types of genetic engineering and would you want it only to bring you up to what we call normal and average or would you want it like if somebody wants to be an athlete and like want to become some kind of super engineered genetically enhanced athlete for people's entertainment should that be allowed so my problem is is humanity is not ready to do any of that mm-hmm. because it, yes it would be fantastic if you could genetically engineer cancer out of people and right. and genetically engineer um allergies and all that kind of stuff yeah but that goes down the road of genetically engineering super soldiers mm-hmm. and if you can do that humanity is 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 going to do that we're not of a mindset of thinking of other people and wanting to take care of other people mm-hmm. we're in a mindset of how can i have power over other people yeah. Our current society would very quickly have become classist. Yeah. That yeah, that's true. Certain people would have the could afford it. You know what I mean? Yeah, and then right. they would get the physical advantages. They would get the longer life. They would, it, like it's the movie Gattaca. Yeah. Right. And then pretty soon they're they're genetically screening you for jobs to see if you yeah. <laughs> if you qualify for the job. I'm sure there's plenty of people who like, oh yeah, yeah, G- give my son you know an advantage at sports. Right. Like if it was my child. Like my unborn child, and they said that, you know, we can genetically engineer your child to make sure that they never get cancer. Mm-hmm. That's pretty tempting right there. Absolutely. But would that be wrong? I don't know. I mean, I mean, and it's a step away from, you know, like, you know, the average height for the men in my family is about five, eight. You know, mm-hmm. we almost always lose our hair. <laughs> you know, mine's already going. If they could say to be, hey, you know, your, your, your son could be six foot tall and have gorgeous hair his entire life. Is that is that would that be wrong to say, you know, sure. Yeah, I'll take that. What's the charge? Y'all making really interesting points. And that's true because I here's OK, so let's throw it to the future Star Trek. So okay. you don't have classism, supposedly, because it's, mm-hmm. it's utopia. And it, I, I got to believe they have 100 percent universal health care. Okay. So everybody can have whatever they want. So yeah. in the world of the Federation, what's the limit? Veronica, you make a good point. If you were born with allergies, can you be genetically engineered to get rid of the allergies? Can you be genetically engineered to get rid of nearsightedness, diabetes, cancer, spina bifida, sickle cell, all the things that just make you quote unquote average and normal and happy? I wonder, does the Federation allow that? And then it seems like they do because no one has allergies to anything. And I seem to remember Beverly saying something about that specifically, how there's no more allergies or colds or stuff like that. And illnesses or like stuff con- con- contracted from other things or the few things that they haven't so- been able to solve yet, like with um, Riker and Troy's son. Mm. Yeah, oh, it, yeah. It, it, usually what they'll do is they'll say like, you know, we've cured the common cold. Like it's very yeah. strange for, I think there's an episode Fine. of early TNG where Picard was sneezing and it was yes. odd. Right. But then, if, but they'll introduce like a space disease. That's, you know, essentially like a disease that we have now, but it's something they don't have a cure for so they can still do the storytelling. But um, I mean, just trying to think of the way Star Trek characters would react because they live in that world and I don't. Yeah. I mean, I can imagine Captain Kirk saying, you know, man has to struggle. You know, it's it's very much that theme, especially in the original series. that It's about you can't have everything given to you. It's about the Mm -hmm. struggle to achieve. I don't know. I, I would think that Starfleet would be okay with medical science. Um, right. As far as curing diseases and mm-hmm. things like that, right? Mm-hmm. I, th- I think where they would draw the line is going beyond that. I mean, Miranda Jones had the censor dress in the original right. series time frame. 
And I think they were all surprised by that because it was a reveal in the episode. But mm-hmm. I, don't think they, I don't think anyone was appalled by it. Yeah. But if she had been genetically engineered to be a telepath, that would have been a whole different thing if they had, if they yeah. had created her as a telepath. Yeah. So, yeah. so I guess in the and here's the thing. This is so weird because there's this whole thing about the world of Star Trek to me. Mm-hmm. And sometimes as a real life person and a person raised a certain way in a certain place, I have certain views. There are certain moralities. It's weird to say that Star Trek enforces that I don't know if we all agree with, for example, my personal opinion. Gene Roddenberry hated the cloaking device because he said it was just cheap and it was just mm-hmm. wrong. The Federation would never have a cloaking device. Well, I think that's insane. The Federation wouldn't stand yes. a year without a cloaking device. So what, the, the, what I thought about that, Charles, when you talk about other races, it's could the Federation stand in a universe where, okay, you genetically engineer people to be healthy. Mm-hmm. But you got the Sulaban out there who spend all their time engineering themselves. Yeah, you got Dr. Flox at Enterprise who says that they do genetic engineering on his planet, and the implication was they do a little bit more than humans do. Mm. I know I've got to believe in a real world, a Romulan Empire and a Klingon Empire would genetically engineer the heck out of at least warrior class people or spies or something like that. Mm-hmm. So I would tend to think that in the real world, even the Federation, now this gets into Section 31, would engineer soldiers or spies, mm-hmm. or something like that. I, yeah. I just I could see that happening. Or at the very least, somebody like a human who could go toe to toe with a Vulcan or a Klingon physically. Right. I mean, because you're preparing for combat with these people. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. I mean, I keep think, I'm thinking of the episode Take Me Out to the Hollow Suite. When they're playing yes. against the Vulcans, right? And they're just <laughs> terribly mismatched against the Vulcans, right? Right. But they lose, but they score a run. And to them, that's a victory. And they're celebrating yeah. that. That to me seems like the humanity of the Star Trek universe. It's I like agree. We overcame our own obstacle. We didn't defeat our opponent, but we have our own victory. Mm-hmm. So do you think that, and I, I think the answer is yes. The, in the Star Trek world, even though it may not be what would happen in real life, genetically engineering super beings for whatever warfare or something like that is just something they won't do. And I guess that's why they have the rules, right? Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah that would be a tough one, though. Um, yeah. The human spirit is big in Star Trek. Yeah. The future humanity believes in that human spirit where we're working to better ourselves. Mm-hmm. So we're struggling against all odds. And that's what gives us character. Yeah. Uh, rather than taking the easy way out, which I mean, like we both know, if 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 you could, if Elon Musk could genetically engineer himself right now, he would. You know, him <laughs> yeah. and Jeff so Bezos would, would be immortal now. <laughs> right. <laughs> I gotta say, I would too, and I, yeah. you know, I, 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 I would too if you could make sure I couldn't catch cancer, or, or like I said, if I could just eat ice cream every day, all day long, and never worry about my blood sugar, mm-hmm. I'd be there. If I didn't have to pop a Zyrtec or a Claritin every every spring in yep. Atlanta. Yeah, but then Veronica, you're right. Then I'm like, well, look, while you're at it, yeah, uh, I don't want to wear contacts anymore. Who's it going to hurt if I have if I have a yep. Hawks vision? It's yep. not hurting anybody. If they could adjust my metabolism so that I would <laughs> not gain weight, or if the doctor yes. said, you know what, we could while we're doing this, we could make your hair grow back. <laughs> I'd take yeah. it. You know, yep. sold. <laughs> right, and I guess that's the slippery slope you get on yeah. because the next thing you know, pretty soon I'm con. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Huh. So that's an that's an interesting. Thing. It'll be interesting to see because we're so, we're in such the early phase of, and we genetically engineer stuff all the time. We genetically engineer crops, mm-hmm. and we are slowly. Well, we got CRISPR now, so we're playing around with some things. 
But I do wonder, um, I have there's I know there are laws against that. I think I mentioned a few weeks ago on one of our shows, there's a Chinese doctor mm-hmm. who did genetic experimentation on some babies. And at first the people weren't sure it's true, but now it seems like it really was true that he was mm-hmm. doing um and they threw his butt in jail. Uh, because you're not ever supposed to experiment on human embryos like that. Right. But yeah. I gotta see their day that'll come. So yeah. Um, but the, again, not to give anything away, I thought it was very, one thing I find very interesting in these shows is when you find a person or persons who are genetically engineered in Star Trek, the question always has to be, does this one person get away with it? Well, mm-hmm. you're good. So we'll kind of, whatever, you know, it's like, but sure. Like, okay, well, you didn't do it. Your parents did it and you're good. So you're okay. But yeah. nobody else gets to do that. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, let's take a quick break to promote a fellow ESO Network podcast show. And then when we get back, we'll be talking about the latest episode of Star Trek Strange New World. So stay right there. I'm Mark McCray, the author of The Best Saturdays of Our Lives. And if you're not listening to our podcast, then you're missing out on amazing interviews with Larry Houston, Tom Tatawanovich, Keone Young, Michael Swanigan, Ned Hastings, Bill Gallier, Dan Gilvazan, Rob Lamb, and so many others. Kick back and let Dan Clink and I peel back the curtain on the animation industry. The Best Saturdays of Our Lives podcast can be found on the ESO Network and all podcasting platforms. blown away by our special effects but yeah, she's, <laughs> she's got a different one every week i love I it know. <laughs> that's spoilers for star trek strange new worlds ghosts of lyria uh which again i loved it yes uh, yeah it was really good i'm yeah. still thinking about it and that's good i'm oh yeah i'm struggling with it and i'm thinking about it yeah uh, i'm um, really struggling i like how at least these first three episodes have taken sort of you know time honored uh, Star Trek and sci-fi TV yeah. premises, and then they're, but they're building their own characters around them, doing it in their own way. So you, you have that familiarity of like, now's the comet episode, you know, now's mm-hmm. the strange alien space virus episode. Mm-hmm. But they're doing it in a very different way, and they're building up their character stories along the way. So you have that a little bit something old, a little bit something new. I think it's working yeah. really well. Yeah, I agree. Now, before we even get into the actual morality and meat of the show, I will say I was when I watched it. I'm like, what in the hell is that giant cloud of smoke over the entire planet? And I'm <laughs> thinking, storm. I, yes. And I'm like, I'm, I'm thinking, surely not going to try to tell me this is a volcano or some kind of weird volcanism. <laughs> here I go again. I'm like, it can't possibly go that high above a planet's surface because <laughs> this crap looked like it was halfway to the moon. Yeah. And then they said, I on the store, like, oh, that's what they look like. And- <laughs> well, I got worried when they started beating people up during the ion storm. Like, you can get mirror, mirror doing that. Yes. Yes. <laughs> right. Now, I did have to make a note is, why did y'all wait so close? Did the storm come faster? Because I'm like you, when the storm is like a yard, a couple hundred yards away, I think I'd find a rock because <laughs> I, I'd be afraid that I couldn't get beamed up at all. Right. <laughs> yeah, I, th- I thought that storm looked pretty wild. And I'm starting to really like the engineer. Yeah, yeah, I, I like him too. He's got that, not quite Odo, but kind of an Odo gruffness to him. Yeah. You know, he's yeah. kind of... Um, Kind of early Odo. Yeah, I, I, I can see him as kind of a, that kind of a character. Veronica, what did you think of the episode this week? I really enjoyed it. I really liked the little little flying around aliens. 
that were like <laughs> bits of lightning and stuff and um, people obsessed with light. It was yep. pretty amusing. Yeah. And I'm sure, Keith, you've got comments about the about the virus. Yeah, the virus riding a beam of light was, uh, I mean, even for science fiction, that's that's kind of far-fetched because you can't really hitch a ride on beams of light, even as a virus, because it just doesn't work that way. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was a little weird. That, it's a that's weird how space it virus, started. though. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I kind of had to wave my hands at that one because I'm like, yeah. you can't ride on the beam of light because, you know, blah, 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 wave particle duality. <laughs> like, okay, I'll just go with it and right. the rest of it. Um, I, I'm still trying to struggle with the reveal of Una. Mm. And, really? Well, and here's the only reason why. Maybe because, and we were just talking about Dr. Bashir, it almost seemed like that's. I mean, you had to do it, but it seemed like it was such an early reveal. I almost mm. would have wished they could have found a way to kind of drag it out somehow. It was it, it just seemed kind of strange. There was a whole bunch of confessionals going on in this yeah. episode. So I was thinking maybe they could have dragged that out a little longer. Also, when she was going to be one of those people, yeah, first I was thinking, well, she's if she's going to be a different alien or something like that. I didn't know it was going to be a people that basically aren't allowed in Starfleet because they have this reputation of genetic mm. engineering themselves. So I thought it was kind of heavy and early in the show for that reveal for her. I'm not even saying it was wrong. I'm just saying if they had dragged it out, maybe with some little tidbits about it here and there, yeah. it might've been nice. See, I wasn't surprised by it at all because the episode was called Ghosts of Illyria and Illyria mm-hmm. was the name that DC Fontana gave to uh, number one's home planet and then in Vulcan's Glory. Uh, which I think is the only Star Trek novel that DC Fontana wrote, but it was about okay. Spock's first adventure on the Enterprise with okay. Captain Pike and number one. I, I don't think the Illyrians were quite the same. I They were genetically enhanced, but I maybe I'm misremembering because I read it probably when I was like 15. But I was mm-hmm. thinking that number one was like a human who was raised amongst Illyrians or Illyria was a human colony or something like that. Okay. But I love that they kept at least some of the DC Fontana backstory for the character. And I knew nothing about what you just told me is new, completely yeah. new. To me. I always assumed she was just from Earth. I didn't. Mm-hmm. I knew nothing about her background. Yeah, there's been various things in the novels over the years that people have tried to fill in things, mm-hmm. you know, about number one, okay. um, different names and that kind of a thing. But they they used the name Una that was from some recent books, and I think it was an, an homage to uh, Una McCormick, who's a Star Trek novelist, who's one of the best Star Trek novelists out there. Right. Um, but her her first name is Una, which is a cute name for number one. Number one. Yeah. yeah. I, I was I was kind of groaning about that too when I first heard that. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. But there was a bait and switch though, because it it turned out that Laon is not an augment. And I've been this whole time I've been like bracing myself for her being an augment. And it seems like she's not an augment. She's just descended from augments. Which I guess would make sense if this is what 200 plus years after the mm-hmm. eugenics war, depending on what they time it. Right. So yeah, there would be dilution. You're right. So yeah. if it's just five, let's see, 200 years, gosh. Seven, eight, nine, ten generations, depending on how you do a generation. Yeah. You're right. She would, wouldn't have any augment DNA left in her, unless yeah. there's some weird recessive gene that got passed down. Right. Which I wouldn't put it past him at some point in the series for there to be some weird gene that kicks in. But yeah. I, I thought it was a nice little twist that she actually has a chip on her shoulder about augments, and it's Una who's the augment. That was a powerful scene when she yeah. started calling her augment. And it's so funny. Words. Um, real quick thing I'll say real fast. Um, I bring this up a lot. I know folks, and it is, I bring out the point that I'm a black person because I've dealt with things in life and we all have oh, our please do. process to bear. 
But I told somebody a long time ago, I grew up in a time in Texas when there was, you know, affirmative action was going on and you deal with cops and then rude people. I've been followed in stores by security guards and stuff. And I told, I told people, one of the worst words I have ever heard in my life, you will never guess what it is. It's not the N word. It's sir. Mm. Because I remember when I would go to stores and people would say, yes, sir. And the contempt dripping in that word. I could hear it because they didn't, they didn't want me there. Right. And that sir, they might as well call me the N word. It was just wow. dripping with it. And yeah. the reason I say that is a word. It's the intention behind it. Yeah. Because I, to me, augment's not the worst word, but the way she said they used to call her augment, augment. So that's kids saying it, right? You can mm-hmm. be like, little, you know, kids are evil sometimes. Oh, yeah. Augment. But when she spit it at Una, mm-hmm. it was hurtful. Mm. It was a really hurtful word. She, you augment yeah and you're right i was completely thrown by that mm. twist i did not expect that coming i thought that was yeah. really powerful mm. something i noticed too which was a little bit strange you know laon introduced herself in the first episode as laon nudie and sing right right but in the recap and the mm-hmm. recap this time they edited it so she introduces herself as laon nunian and then they referred to her as Lieutenant Noonien throughout the episode. So I'm wondering oh. if they changed their minds about referring to her as Noonien Singh every time. Because it seems like as of this episode, she's going mm. by La'an Noonien. And like I said, they, they even edited the, the scene in the, the, the previously on Star Trek clip. So they, they cut the sing off. Really? Yeah. I got to go back and look at that. Mm-hmm. I want to know if they edited that first episode as well then. I don't know. I haven't gone back to watch it. Because, you know, what you're saying that, Chuck, I was thinking if she had just maybe introduced herself fully as La'an Nudie and Sing to, to Pike, and then later on you start noticing subtly she never says Sing, right. then you could think that maybe she's just embarrassed. Right, know, and, and, right. And, and, and she's trying to hide it. But if yeah. they edit it, it kind of makes it a different thing. I kind of wish mm-hmm. they'd done it and she just stopped giving the full name all the time. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't seem like it's any secret. I mean, or at least number one knows about it. But, yeah, I, I you know, it's one of, the, one of those things that, I was very apprehensive out about coming into the series that, I mean, so far I've been really impressed with the way they're handling it. I expected her to just be Khan's granddaughter or whatever. She's right. got superpowers, you know what I mean? Super strength yeah. and so forth. But so far it seems like she doesn't have any augmentations and it's really just the opposite. She's, she's sort of bitter about augments because the way people have treated her. Exactly. Cause she's yeah. a descendant, but she basically has nothing to do with it. Yeah. Um, yeah, that I'm I'm okay with that. I, I I can be okay with that. I'm like you. I'm afraid that one day she's going to be in a crisis. And she's going to like lift the shuttlecraft or something, and then oh no, yeah, the machines get in. It, that may happen at some point. Yeah, which would be interesting as well. I mean, it, it would kind kind of reminds me of um, like on Battlestar Galactica when Colonel Ty found out he was a Cylon, and he's like right. the most bigoted against Cylons person yes. on the show, right? And that could be interesting, too, of, of her having to sort of uh, come to terms with that about herself. Right. And that's a good point. And I, I, but obviously she's been now later on in Deep Space Nine. And I would assume this is one you can assume is being done now because they're even closer. In Deep Space Nine, they even talked about how people are genetically scanned before they can be allowed to enter Starfleet. Mm. Typically, because I think Bashir got around that somehow. Well, maybe his, maybe his genetic engineering doesn't show up. But I know they talk about that they scan people to see if they can detect enhancements. Mm. So therefore, I would think even doubly that she must not have any obvious augment genes in her. Maybe, or maybe kind of like in DS9 as well, when they were talking about 
you know, they were testing for changelings and Cisco's father said, you know, there, there's never been a test of invented that a smart man couldn't get around. Yeah, <laughs> you know? that's right. Oh, and, yeah. If you're trying to screen for augmented people, maybe augmented people are, are good at beating the test. Good <laughs> you know? Yeah. And, and, and that's funny because I, 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 to this day, I remember that scene because there's that scene where Cisco's kind of looking at his dad. He's got, he's kind of sneaky and he's like, Benjamin Lafayette, Cisco, I know mm-hmm. doggone well. You didn't think I'm a, that's a great scene. That's, so that, like that, that. That, that whole two-parter is great. Yeah. What did y'all think about Pike and Spock being kind of sidelined in this episode? They're they're really almost like guess they they're there yeah. for like ten minutes. I, I thought it was good. I mean, that, yeah, that's the Star Trek format, you know. Like mm-hmm. um, like Cisco wasn't in every episode. Right. You know, it wasn't unusual for him to be off on the sidelines somewhere while the story is being told about somebody else. And plus, I thought it it, it was nice with just one on one time with Spock and Pike, mm-hmm. so we can right. just see those two characters interacting with each other while the story is going on up on the ship. Yeah. Um, I thought it was cute. I thought, I mean, I think Spock's being written very well. And I think that he's really good at delivering the the dialogue. Yeah. You know, even when he, he would say record and say instead of yeah. record, you know what I mean? <laughs> like he's, he, I seem like he's, he's bringing some Nimoy into even his inflections, which I like. Yeah. yeah I thought so too. what did you think about that, Veronica? I wanted them to pull out more of the scrolls and look at them. Because there was a lot of scrolls in the wall. Why are they looking at all of these scrolls? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> that, was, that was my thought. <laughs> <laughs> Especially after that one popped out at the end. Like, okay, now you clearly have to just grab them all. Why aren't you grabbing them all? <laughs> yeah, and with those, with the people, was the point, what, what was the, the reason that said that their bodies became more incorporeal? I think it was because of that like um well the disease the disease a uh, combination of that disease and then them like being drawn into the storm or whatever the, oh, the combination right. of the two i don't know they turned into energy beings of some kind oh that's right because the, their own genetic tampering with themselves gave themselves the disease where they hungered for light mm-hmm. and then a cosmic storm came in and they basically ran toward the cosmic storm right and then they got turned into energy beings instead yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. Well, that goes back to that conversation we just had about should you genetically engineer yourself because you might end up a light being. <laughs> yeah. Well, but too, I mean, the the they made a point of the reason they died was because they were stripping away their own genetic enhancements, trying to get into the Federation. That right. if they had left themselves alone, they'd have been fine. Because they would they they would have done what Una does, which is basically glow and burn it out. Right. Yeah. Like, that's, like that's, she has like the, the super immune system. Okay. Yeah. So. Now, I, mm-hmm. So earlier, Chuck had like was, had compared them in looks to the Paw Wraith, and I'm like, hey, maybe they are the Paw Wraith later on. She was like, no, they're not. No. So, <laughs> what if that? I mean, what if the Paw Wraith developed similarly to that, mm. where they were genetically engineering themselves until they got to this point where they're no longer could be. I mean, and then the the prophets could be the same way, only they went the yeah. Happy well, there's route. a lot of energy beings and or non-corporeal beings in Star Trek that said they evolved from basically beings like us. Right. But I mean, what does it evolve? Is it over time? Is it meditating? Is it genetically enhancing yourself so that you can leave your physical body? Who knows? Yeah. There was that guy, John in TNG. This is the guy that Beverly started kind of had a crush on. They found him on a crash ship. Oh. So he didn't yeah. know who he was and he kept right. the powers. 
and he knocked Worf off the thing and killed Worf, and then he brought Worf back to life because they like <laughs> to kill Worf. Yeah. And it turned out he was one of his people were ascending. Yeah, they, they were right on the precipice there. And he turned into an, you know, he turned into an energy being. So yeah, yeah. But I thought it was interesting in this that Una, the way Una phrased the way the Illyrians do it, which that they're leaving planets the way they are, the natural state of the planet instead of terraforming planets, they they alter themselves to match the planet. Yeah, but I thought it was pretty interesting in of itself. Yeah, of a race of yeah. a race of people who do that. Yeah, and also that explained why I remember Dr. Mabinga said basically she didn't have anything approaching what we would call antibodies because mm. that's not the way her body works. Her body heals itself, but yeah. it doesn't like produce antibodies. And and if you think another TNG episode, I I forget the name of that. It was the one with Pulaski where the back to it. Remember the one where they found the children that they had been genetically engineered to be mm-hmm. like perfect and they were telepathic but they gave them this ridiculously stupid immune system that went out and killed viruses and germs mm. before they came in and yeah. they were deadly to humans that's the more plastic age because basically the kids bodies were just attacking anything and everything yeah una is the, what you're saying charles una is the exact opposite of that they're mm. like as her 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 people's ability is to blend in and be as unobtrusive as possible but the people yeah. in that episode they like kill people everywhere they go right yeah yeah it's also her ability that explains because i was i had written down I, I wrote down like three times why is una walking around the ship if she's potentially infected <laughs> and now that we see the reveal because when she glowed i thought that was the disease right yeah i did right. too I'm like, I can't believe you're walking around here. You're 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 infectious. Now it turns <laughs> out she knew she wasn't because she assumed her own healing system had just killed whatever it was. Yeah. Yeah. And so that 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 got me because I was like, this is the stupidest thing I've ever seen. And then I oh <laughs> okay. What did you think about Hammer beaming up the mantle from a planet <laughs> <laughs> so he could feel the heat? I thought that was a little weird. <laughs> I thought it was cool. <laughs> It was funny because, yeah, he was really gone. And he was sitting there, oh, it's almost materializing. It's almost materializing. I thought that was pretty funny. She's like, it's thousands of degrees. He's like, I try tens of thousands. <laughs> that was wow. great. She had to zap him. Yeah. And I got to say, I really enjoy the the engineering uh, set. I'm going to say set, even though it's they use the AR wall for it. But I think it looks really great. And they, yeah. they've got just enough, like, 60 style in it but it's just more expansive it's huge it's it's yeah. it is huge but it, they but they even kept the the sort of the look of the the reactor or whatever from the original series the way the um the cylinders come down mm-hmm. but it's just sort of expanded that and i don't know i i it really works for me because i've been critical of, of engineering in the past when it was a brewery yeah. or yeah. when <laughs> or in that short trek when it was just a cgi mess of nothingness you know yeah, I think uh, they did a really good job redesigning it for this one, and I think the AR wall technology is working great. Like it just, it just looks great when they're walking around, and you can see the reflections of it on the floor and everything. Yeah, and I did notice um, some of the some of the consoles and stuff had strange square buttons and levers, as if they're mm-hmm. trying to do uh, the callback to the '60s. So yeah, I did think that was pretty cool. And it has the black with red trim and the red railings, yeah. and yeah, right. the, uh, the, they're doing a good job, I think, of making it look futuristic. But also with some throwbacks to the 60s. Yeah, I give them credit for that. And also give I actually gave them a credit for an innovation that I hadn't even thought about. I think the emergency medical transporter is a good idea. Yeah. Uh, to have that because there's always like beam them up directly to sick bay. And then, you know, in the original series, they're always babbling about intership beaming as if yeah. they're they're transporting is so bad they could beam you inside a chair or something. Yeah. Um, 
it kind of makes sense to just beam them directly to sickbay. Yeah. Although I guess the transport is not really usable. It's kind of off limits, I guess. Yeah. Well, I, I know that he had not allowed them to upgrade it because he's hiding his daughter in the pattern buffer. Yeah. But I th- they used it just a couple of episodes. Oh, so I guess you, you can use it, but they haven't updated it. So the biofilters aren't updated on it. Uh, I, so that that was why they, they they thought that this virus made it through the biofilter because when mm-hmm. they're in space dock, that system didn't get upgraded. I did think it's, and again, I get it, but I did think it's a little strange that your daughter is going to die mm-hmm. and you have a solution, but nobody on Earth or in a Federation would let you implement that solution planet side so you have to sneak her off to a starship yeah yeah i don't understand why that's not like standard practice then absolutely and also then he kind of goes on faith and says i just know i'll find a cure for her out here well you don't really know that because your ship could get blown up (laughs) you and her so i i I get what they're trying to do with the emotional whatever that i just don't know if i buy the implementation of that because i kept thinking if this technology works then there would be some hospital facility on earth somewhere that would do this for you. Um, it, it may depend on, like, I mean, he acted like, yeah, it's perfectly safe as long as you rematerialize them every now and then. Yeah. But is that just him saying that? Or is that like FDA approved or OSHA approved or whatever, like whatever the Federation of is. How long yeah. did Scotty stay in the pattern? Yeah, buffer? but it was really, it, but that wasn't something that was supposed to happen. That's just because exactly. Scotty's a genius. So, it was yeah. They said it was. Jordy was amazed, and, and matter of fact, his other his friend died because it didn't work for him. Scotty's yeah. worked, but his didn't. Yeah. And actually, here we go. I'm, I'm getting a little too technical, but there, I just listened to a, a podcast um, about there's a there's a really good episode of Voyager where they go to a region of space where they hate telepaths mm-hmm. and they hide them. And every time, like every few light years, they're going through a checkpoint. And I mean, they go through that ship and they search that ship thoroughly. And what they're doing is they're hiding Tuvok and all the other telepaths, also including some aliens from that region. They're hiding them in the transporter buffer. Mm. But in that episode, they said, we can't keep materializing and rematerializing them because that little drift Mm. is going to kill them. And after doing this several times, they said, you can't do this. People are not meant to stay in a buffer and mm-hmm. be brought in and out and in and out. So, so what you're saying, Chuck, is maybe he found a way to make it work because it's never been shown that that can work. Because that's the case. I guess you're right. You would have whole banks of people on Earth that are just in pattern buffers. Like, yeah. You know, nowadays, people like Walt Disney freeze their heads or something. You would just have people in pattern buffers all the time. If for that but, matter, you could just beam people into a pattern buffer and a shuttle and then yeah. bring a whole load of people someplace and then just rematerialize them. Yeah. Like you don't even have well, to have starships. Oh, that's a good point. Warriors. <laughs> You're right. You have a you can have a shuttlecraft and jump out and somebody's talking trash. Do you pull like a hundred warriors out yeah, of the Yeah, you buffer? got a hundred Klingon <laughs> soldiers materialize. <laughs> yeah. But I thought I, I was struggling a little bit with why he would do it there, take her with him. But I will say that the performance was good and it was a little mm. heartbreaking when she did materialize. That was a little yeah. heartbreaking. And he yeah. was reading the story to her. So that, that I will say that got to me. As they say it got misty in the room. Yeah, when so he did that. Do you think that Una is going to tell Pike about this, or is she going to keep it keep it from him? Oh, I think she's going to tell Pike about it. Okay, because I mean, she has to have a reason to get the extra energy. Okay, I don't know. She's uh, she's she's the first officer of the ship. I mean, I'm sure she could justify redirecting like an emergency feed because he just told her to go fix the problem. So she could say, okay, I I, I set up a direct line of of power from you know, the warp core to the emergency sick bay transporter to make sure we don't lose power to it or anything. 
don't know. It seems like with what he just said to her, she would know that he would be cool with it as well. Okay. Yeah, could be. What do you think, Keith? Um, I think she won't tell him, but I think he'll figure it out. Mm. And I, yeah. because I think he's Pike. I think he knows what goes on in his ship. Yeah. And I think that because of that plot device that I actually don't like, which is where he knows his fate mm. in ten years in the in the chair, I think yeah. it's going to make him a little bit more like, hey, you know, it, it, it it's fine. Yeah, it's fine. <laughs> I'll let I'll, I'll let it yeah. pass. Yeah. But there's gonna, but it also. There's gonna come a day where they're gonna because look, what does Star Trek do? They always have to pull power from somewhere. Yeah. I mean, is there not an episode where they don't like take power from everything except life support? And then sometimes they even take it from life support. Oh yeah. So they're gonna tap that thing one day and then Mabinga's gonna freak out. Oh yeah. That's they're true. They're gonna have to. Yeah, I, I think they're gonna have to tell them at some point in time. Yeah, that's a good point. I wonder if he could have just materialized her and then let them do their upgrades and stuff and then put her back in. <laughs> You know, yeah, yeah, that's actually true. Yeah, that would have worked. What do y'all think about Nurse Chapel? She is. I, I was listening to somebody else on on the network on the on the internet talk about there, and they said she is nothing like the Christine Chapel I know, but I like her. Mm. Um, I mean, she's not like Nurse Chapel is a lot later, but I mean, Uhura isn't like she is a lot later. There's there's changes and things that happen in your life that change how you react to things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, we already know that there's going to be some big thing happening with her later on. Which one are you talking about? With her, Robert, Richard, what's his face? Roger. Roger. Hey, Roger. that's pretty close. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Roger Corby. Yep. Yeah. 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 What do you think? Because I kind of think that this, this chapel is not... I kind of think this chapel would evolve into a slightly different chapel than I saw in the original series. Not that yeah. that's bad. Well, I think so too. But I mean, like I, I've got some Facebook friends that argue that Strange New Worlds is a reboot. It can't be in continuity. And they have all kinds of reasons, recastings and changes yeah. technology and things like that. But one of the reasons they give is that Nurse Chapel has a completely different personality. And my retort mm. to that was that, well, season one of DS9, Rom had a completely different personality. Yeah. That's Would you true. argue that season one of DS9 is not is yeah. not the same show because of that? No. I mean, sometimes right. that happens. Sometimes characters on Star Trek have got have been recast, sometimes with different ethnicities, sometimes just looking completely right. different. It happens. But Nurse Chapel wouldn't be the first Star Trek character who had a completely different personality in a subsequent appearance. I mean, you look yeah. at Rom, you look at Captain Braxton, you know yeah. what I mean? Who just right. came back and was a different character. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So no, I I think she does have a very different personality, but I don't have any problem with that. Well, also, I think that this is one of those cases where she has to have a slightly different personality because yeah. she was she was portrayed as women were portrayed in the 60s. Yeah, she yeah. was kind of subservient. She was mm-hmm. um, she wasn't weak by any means, but she was, you know, a nurse and she was sometimes ridiculously pining after Spock. Yes. And so I think that this more dynamic Christine, I'm OK if by the time of Kirk, she's still a more dynamic Christine, because I really don't want her pining away after Spock all the time like that. Yeah. So I, in some ways, I think they kind of have to change her personality. Yeah. And I'm fine with it. I'm yeah. I was never a huge fan of Nurse Chapel anyway, for the reasons yeah. you just gave. I mean, she didn't have a lot to do. She was you know, she would hand McCoy the scalpel or she would bring Spock soup. And that kind of thing. <laughs> but I, I like that this Christine Chapel has she's more assertive, she's mm-hmm. more confident. Mm-hmm. You know, she's flirting with Spock and making him uncomfortable instead of pining yes. for him from a distance. Right. So yeah, I, I, I like what they're doing with 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 Chapel. You know, she's different, yeah. but she's good. So yeah. 
Yeah. I, I enjoy her character a lot. Yeah. Yeah. I, I thought it was a good episode too. I, mm-hmm. I did enjoy it and I did, and I'm still tripping over the ion storm because I, <laughs> I've never seen an ion storm. We've always seen the lightning. We've always yeah. seen the effects. We've seen, uh, what's his face? Um, ben Finney in court martial. And we heard about the ion storm. Um, yeah. I personally do not watch the remastered. So if they've, okay. if they've shown an ion storm, I don't know it. Mm. Uh, and then of course the mirror mirror with the Hulkins, we had an ion yep. storm lost the space used to call it cosmic storm. They even had one and it was <laughs> right. always just thunder and lightning. And like, what yep. the heck is this that, thing? That's what it was on the original series too. When they're on the, on the Hulkin planet, it was yeah. a lot of thunder and lightning because it's a storm, <laughs> but it, you know, right. Um, and even in the 2009 movie, they had a, a lightning storm in space. That's right. So I think it fits right in. And I thought the visual effects of it were beautiful. Yeah, they, they were. were great. Yeah, they it was were really, really pretty. Great. And I, I love the, some of the shots they do of the Enterprise where it looks like the inter, like the way they, they frame the Enterprise in the shot looks like the way it would have been framed on the original series. They don't do it all yeah. the time. They, they let it do much more dynamic things. But they had that shot when it was powering down and the way it was just the camera is just looking at the Enterprise. Yes. And it just looked like a TOS shot. That was a good angle. Yeah. I really love that. Yeah. I even like the Enterprise. It's a different design. The only thing I don't like about the Enterprise is the shiny white interior of the halls. I still mm. like the old kind of steel, blue, gray, whatever metal. Yeah, that's okay. I'll get over. Like you've said many times, Charles, I'm having to tell my seat to keep that ship is sailed. There are some <laughs> things that are just never going to come back, no matter how much I try to make them come back. So right. Yeah. I'm okay I, with that. Yeah, I can't spend the next five years. <laughs> mad because every button's the wrong size i'll go crazy and and, yeah. and and i'll kill my own enjoyment of the show you know yeah but that's what i talked about before the show even came out was there's right. things i've got to let go that are but you know what they actually impressed me in several ways they they do a, a much better job i think the discovery did when it was a prequel of using appropriate sounding sound effects and things yes. like that the, right. a lot of the beeps and boops are yep. straight out of the original series Absolutely. where on discovery they would sort of mix and match they could be a next generation mm-hmm. open hailing frequency sound mm-hmm. um which that throws me out when i hear a next generation sound because it's like that doesn't belong there but <laughs> but they do a good job in this of, of doing like the real beeps and boops that sound like it. and you know what um mm-hmm. alex cap who does the voice of the computer i mean she's got to be deliberately doing a major major barrett impression because she sounds I... just freaking like her I looked, I was taking notes and I looked up and I'm like, wait, that, that sounds like Major Barrett. It can't yeah. be, obviously, because she's yeah. been dead list of soul for a while now. Yeah. But Alex Cap did the, the Discovery computer voice up until it became Zora. And then that's a different actress who plays Zora. Mm-hmm. But um, she never, I mean, didn't sound terribly like Major Barrett before. So it's just got to be like something that she's that she's doing now because it's the Enterprise computer. But it's, right. it, it, that really works for me when she's like, she does that voice. I thought so too. Yeah. Did y'all find any moments? Because this 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 show is a lot more humor filled than others. Did y'all find anything that made you laugh? I mean, there's been a couple of things that were that worked and didn't. Was there anything that made you chuckle? I will say I laughed and maybe I didn't mean to. And what's her name was walking down the hall and, and dude put his head through the window trying to get the light. <laughs> and she was kind of and she goes, uh, isn't that something you should do in your quarters? Because it looked like he was like taking his clothes off. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and what was she used the phrase? I don't know if I wrote it down, something like whatever. What was something like whatever you get your freak on or something like yeah, that? Yeah, that was it. Something, <laughs> something like, like that. that. Yeah. And then he puts his head through the glass. Like, hey, okay, there's a problem. <laughs> yeah, that was the only thing she got the episode, but I love that she got it. Yeah. Like, she, you yeah, know, they and, and Uhura got a couple of little bits as well. Not a whole lot because the story right. wasn't about them. I did find it interesting that um, Uhura has is sharing a cabin with some other, I guess, cadets or ensigns or whomever right. they are. And um, their little wall alcove looks quite a bit like the the ones that the lower deckers on 
well, the Cerritos <laughs> sleep in. Yeah, I thought that was pretty A cool. little bunk in the wall. I thought that was neat. Yeah, that was that was neat. I thought it was wild when she opened the door and it was like a sun in the middle of the <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, What are you guys doing? <laughs> that was great. And even though it was one of the most obvious jokes ever told, I will admit I chuckled. When Pike said, Spock, any recommendations? Run. <laughs> and then they, I mean, it's such an obvious joke, but it, is, it, actually but it works. Yeah, it, yeah, I thought it was really good. Rear, weird, weird question. Strange New Worlds jackets or original series jackets uh, with Pike, the original Pike? Mm. Or, you know, like Enterprise, I know Enterprise jackets or the Picardigan. Because I started trying to think of all the, the jackets that people wear. Maybe we should do a thing on Star Trek fashion. I kind of dug those jackets. They, well, they had one in the, the motion picture as well. And they had one in Wrath of Khan also that was a lot bulkier, oh, like, a winter, like a winter yeah. jacket. No, yeah. I, I think either Enterprise or Strange New Worlds. Yeah. The, the other ones are very plain. Right. The ones from the cage and the ones from the motion picture are very plain. It's like a, a right. sack you pull over, mm-hmm. you know, with sleeves. No, these look, I mean, functional enough that you, you might use them if you're down on a planet. And, then, and it makes sense. I mean, you're you're beaming down to different environments. You should have yeah. different gear to wear. Exactly. Yeah, I really like the jacket. I still think I like the Enterprise jackets more. Veronica, I don't know if you ever paid attention to the jackets. Uh, all I knew is they were wearing a jacket and I couldn't see the uniform or the, all the uniform. So it was a little weird because I'm used to seeing just the uniform but i guess that makes sense as charles was saying because i i kind of imagine like in real life well i've never been i wasn't in the military i kind of imagine real life military because in all the star trek shows they pretty much use their daily uniforms and they mm-hmm. just go like hey we're gonna go rock climbing okay and they got the same <laughs> outfit on they yeah. just had on the bridge so yeah you would do gear yeah well you desert planet or winter planet right. or, or whatever you just beam down with your starfleet uniform on which i mean i guess people could argue that it's futuristic fabric maybe it yeah adjusts for you but to me it just makes sense for them to have a gear they do a good job of that on discovery of giving them mission specific gear to wear right. and body armor and that kind of thing right. um but no i think it works just fine uh i also thought that the location they were at i'm assuming it's a location and not an mm-hmm. ar wall thing but it was it was a great looking location they were at absolutely yeah. i love that yeah i, I love that i actually enjoyed that i love the storm i love the even the buildings i mm-hmm. i love the alcove the, uh, the uh, archive that they they created yeah, I thought that was pretty good. It looked good. It, it was an enjoyable episode, I must admit. I mean, yeah. I found fault with it, but, you know, that's just me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm practicing letting go because of things. So, yeah, I enjoyed it. What did you think, Veronica? I enjoyed it. Oh, good. <laughs> and I like that that one little incident who's kind of like the Joe Tormelin who, you know, the, the little things are floating around and he doesn't notice that he's the first one infected, but he lived. Oh, yeah. He didn't yeah. butter knife himself or anything like that. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't think about acquainting him with Joe, but that's a very good one. Good yeah. point on that. Yeah. All right. Well, anybody have any final thoughts before we wrap it up? Um, I would say three for three. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think three for three as well. I mean, I love it every week. It's very different every mm-hmm. week. You know, I like that this one got a little more into like the the the, the bigotries of the 23rd century that yeah. that makes that makes sense because it's something that we already they already set up on DS9, which takes place 100 years later. Right. That these sort of bigotries exist. And I, I'm just really surprised that we've gotten uh, like a eugenics wars references like the last four weeks on Star Trek, which yeah. I mean, it was a big deal when they referenced the eugenics wars on DS9 because I don't think it had been referenced since like. I don't know, Wrath of Khan. <laughs> you know? I agree. 
And, and you know what? That's got to be leading up to something. Yeah, they're gonna they're gonna find a, another colony like an Enterprise of augments, or or Leon's gonna find some relatives who aren't augmented, or they're gonna do a Deep Space Nine and go back in time during the eugenics war on Earth instead of the what were the zones that uh, they went to? Um, the sanctuary districts. Yeah, instead of sanctuary districts, Leon's gonna find herself back in time during the eugenics war. There's just way too many references for it just to be that. Yeah. She's an augment who's not an augment who gets teased all the time. There's something coming. And I don't, I, I know that I just got to know they're working on that. Something. Yeah. I, something I don't know something. what it'll be. Maybe yeah. it'll be another song. Oh, Lord. <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't that be great? Wouldn't it be great if literally every single Star Trek show out is writing a Brent Spiner song role? Like right. every one of them, Prodigy. <laughs> it's the Silververse. Yes, the whole <laughs> thing. Section 31, like there's a song <laughs> everywhere. Right. <laughs> yeah, that'd be awesome. <laughs> All right, Keith, where can people find more of you? You can find me on Instagram and Twitter and on Facebook, primarily the ESO Network Facebook groups. And how about us, Veronica? Feltnerdy.com. Or? Monkeying Around, a new podcast about the monkeys. Yep. And that's fun. Yeah, Keith is going to be on our upcoming episode. We've recorded that talking about the original monkeys pilot. So if you're not into the monkeys, it's a great place to jump on because it's the first episode they ever made. Um, But also, speaking of pilots, if you missed our live stream uh, this past week, it's on our YouTube still. I think you can also still find the video on our Facebook. Uh, Drop by and watch it. It's, It's a lot of fun. We had a great turnout. So thank you to everybody who joined us on the live stream. We had a, a big group of people commenting and, and offering their opinions, which is a lot of fun. So thank you everybody for that. We got to do that more, Keith. We got to do more live yeah. streams. Absolutely. That, I'm, I'm down for that. Yeah, yeah. I'm down with doing that. Yeah. All right. Veronica, a closing for us this week. I'm arming myself with knowledge. Hey, great job. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for listening to Earth Station Trek. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. Give us a positive rating. You can also send us feedback at earthstationtrek at gmail.com. You can join in the fun on our Facebook group or follow us on Twitter. You can also visit us online at earthstationtrek.podbean.com. We'll see you next time. Live long and prosper. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping for the Tee Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek.